As Torino 2006 is slowly drawn to a close, here it is, the Olympic Outsider number 6. This is Dave Thorvald Olson, and I'm joined with Dan Funboy to talk about hockey. So Danny, there we were. For us, the Olympics really started that afternoon in Provo, where we saw the first afternoon of hockey, where we saw Ukraine and Belarus, and after uh, scarfing a, a couple of Dick's Imperial Stouts in the hatchback of the Saab and eating some finest meats and cheeses, and then went right into Austria, Latvia. And once the hockey starts, that's when, that's when it seemed like the games really started up for us, eh? Yeah, hockey is such a large meat of the of the Olympics. I mean, so many games, so many hours of of games on TV, and so many hours of games being played, and thousands of people going to the games, and so many athletes participating. Yeah, and you know that the the way they did the tournament, there were some significant changes from Salt Lake. First of all, they started the women's earlier and didn't really have it running as concurrent with the men's, which I thought, from a scheduling standpoint, was great. And from a viewing standpoint, it was fantastic. Yeah, the women's tournament this year was fantastic. I really enjoyed seeing some of my favorite Team Canada players returning, as well as getting to know some of the younger players. But I tell you that Sherry Piper, fantastic hands around the net. Vicky Sonahara, Cassie Campbell, I love watching those hockey players play, you know. Yeah, going into the tournament, there was definitely the two elite teams, USA and Canada, two mid-level teams, Finland and Sweden, and then a handful of, they got a team and can kind of compete, have a few American collegians or North American players with, with European heritage. Yeah. In this case, it was Russia and the hosts and the Kazakhs and, you know, it's yeah. pretty thin. Yeah, definitely. And at the end of the tournament, the question is, did USA f fall down to Sweden's level, or did Sweden come up to USA and Canada's level? What do you think? Well, I think it's a little bit of both, and a little bit of just the way the puck bounces, and the way, uh, I think, for the USA, it was going through a little bit of a transition without Cammy Granado's leadership there, who's been the face of women's hockey in the USA for so long. I think the team was a little vulnerable and a little susceptible, and the Swedish team was really prepared. They came into this tournament with something to prove. They wanted to not be the weak little sister anymore. So I think they sort of met in the middle, really. The Canadian team really returned a veteran lineup that could have beaten... Uh, you know, I've, I, I read some stuff, and people were talking on sports radio, saying, uh, you know, dissing the quality of women's hockey, but I, I think that's absolutely ridiculous. I think they... they the Canadian women's hockey team was really something good to watch at any level of watching the sport. Yeah, definitely. They're they're definitely the most evolved of all the teams. I thought the Americans really had an excellent team. They have a, a lot of, of young players on the team, and they had some very physical defensemen. I think if there was body checking in women's hockey, which there, oh, there will be soon, uh, I think the USA will have a definite advantage. They had some very athletic defensemen that were that were good size and had a good mean streak. Unlike the uh, the host Italian team that was the sacrificial lamb that had 15 year old 5 foot 2 defensemen playing against uh, Canada and yet your uh, heart almost went out to him just because they were getting battered around. Yeah, they played a great a great pool game against Russia where they scored their first ever Olympic goal and that was really 
really a moment in the crowd. Well, way to go for the hosts. Yeah, um, and Sweden is better. I don't think they're, they're as good as the USA. If they play the best of seven series, the USA is going to win six of them. If they played yeah. seven games, USA is going to win six. That's kind of the same approach as the U.S. Miracle on Ice. Or Herb Brooks said this team's going to be us most of the time, but with an outstanding goalie performance and a few lucky breaks, yep, we can get that one. And, and why not be tonight the one? And that's what happened. Their goalie was phenomenal, and they and their ringer, their best player, was awesome. Scored the regulation goals and the shootout goal. Outstanding. Well, way to go for Sweden. I mean, again, we'll talk about them here shortly with going home with the gold, so there was a fantastic Olympics overall Yeah, there's definitely high intensity from the first drop in the women's tournament. And I think Finland isn't, you know, uh, once they've seen that and seen that example, and, and they'll kind of get drug along, and, and hopefully some other countries, if they only had ice in Australia, they could produce some great women's hockey players, I think. Yeah, it's pretty much about putting ice. I think you could get some, there's some great women's athletes in the southern U.S., black black athletes, white athletes that would be awesome hockey players. Yeah, no kidding. It's just nowhere the facilities are lacking, but we're starting to see there's lots of crossover athletes, too, people who started on inline skates moving over to ice skates, too, in, in speed skating. So why not in, in hockey? It's a lot yeah, of opportunity. There. It just takes the young girls watching on TV and saying, hey, that's what I want to do. Right on, and having the opportunity to do it. Yeah. So then... Uh, uh, then the men's hockey tournament started up, and, and I was really sickened at the amount of media attention that was given to the Gretzky family issue talk and stuff. I thought it was completely overblown. I think the media really embarrassed themselves by stumbling and fumbling over it and then acting like, oh, it's our sacred duty to ask these hard questions because it's such important stuff and all that. I thought it was a total cop Yeah, it didn't take but a few lackluster Canadian men's team performances, though, to get the subject changed really quick to the <laughs> hockey side of things. By the Indeed. end of the Olympics, nobody was even talking about Nobody it. was even talking about the old wainer. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I remember going back to Salt Lake, The we went and saw Canada-Sweden, and we were, you know, we were so excited. I've been waiting for that game for... It seemed like a hundred years, and uh, and we got shelled. I mean, we sat there. We were sitting right behind Cujo's. Just got, you know, Sundin had the red carpet laid right out, and and, uh, and it was a heartbreaker of a loss. And then you told me at that time. Said you said, remember, we did good, and we rolled through the round robin in Nagano, but lost in the quarterfinals when it when it mattered. Well, it was the semis, yeah. Yeah. And uh, and sure enough, we went on. We built, and we. We we won when we were clutch when we needed to be, and this time we got off with a, a to a great start with a kind of a couple softer teams mm -hmm. with Italy, the host Italy who played a spirited game. We'll talk about that in a second. And and Germany it seemed and then with Switzerland it seems like it's going to ramp us right up nicely to the uh, to the medal. Yeah, round. the Canadians definitely had the the schedule to win the the gold medal. They had the the easy schedule. They started with their preseason games against Italy and Germany, then their first regular season game against the Swiss, and then finish with the Finns and, the, and then the Czechs to tune them up for the quarterfinal round, of course, against the other the other teams, for the other pool's fourth team. Yeah, which, which would probably be <laughs> Slovakia, they had penciled in. Yeah. And, uh, 
So something went, something kind of went wrong along the way, and of course, the the whole of Canada is talking about it, and uh, there's a lot of people wanting, calling for all sorts of drastic measures, and I always try to err on the side of uh, patience and objectivity in situations like this. But uh, looking, my initial gut feeling, and and to try to sum up what went wrong um, in a sentence or so, really started to click when I'd hear interviews in the intermissions um, around the the Switzerland and Finnish game. And they kept on talking about, oh, we have so much leadership, oh, we have so much leadership, oh, we have so much leadership. They kept on harping on that. When you're talking about something all the time, maybe there's something about that that's, you know, that's not that's not there. Like they didn't have that when you got Mario Lemieux rolling with you, nothing's gonna happen, man. Mario's yeah, in our Mario backseat. has that strut. I mean, he just walks in and he knows he's the best player in the rink. Right, and he's an impo- large, imposing man, and he's got that. Or I mean, he's Mario fucking Lemieux, dude. He's just, uh, you know, he's the rock star. And when you got him on your team, nothing's gonna happen, dude. And uh, but then they, and then they, uh, I can't remember if it was Chris Draper or Rob Blake or someone, but whoever it was like, we got to get back to playing more of an NHL, NHL style game. And I was like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure they're right about that. I'm not sure they're right about that. And and when then when we played the Finns, I said, oh yeah, and I'm really sure we're not about that because Finns aren't playing a game that would win in the NHL consistently. But they were playing a great game for playing in the Olympics and playing this style of hockey. And uh, I thought that in order for Canada to be successful at these kind of tournaments, we have to, one, go in with that strut and that swagger, but we also have to go in prepared to uh, sit in the sauna and hash out the team game rather than just going, oh, yeah, we'll figure it out because we're clutch. We're clutch Canadians. We have to go in and say, listen, we're going to have to adapt our game whether we want to or not, to the international game and not just rely on, on swagger and skill because the fact of the matter is there is other countries in the world that have some fantastic damn hockey players and are capable of playing the system. And whether or not people want to say, oh, well, it's a boring system, you know what? That's not really anything mm-hmm. that we can do anything about. They're playing within the rules for the, for the most part and, uh, and certainly figuring out the officiating faster than the Team Canada was. So... We either have to adapt or, or we're going to be uh, wither, uh, withering on the tree a little bit. Yeah, the, the teams that really did well, the thing I noticed is that they puck possession was huge. The, I mean, yeah. and they always would pass it, cross ice pass to get into the zone. They hardly dumped and chased. They do it a little bit when, if all the defensemen were standing up at the blue line or whatever, then of course that's your natural instinct. Yep. But as a tactic, cross-ice pass from end-to-end, use the wide ice, and they break in every time. And that's the one tactical tactical thing that I think would need to change on the big ice. Can't dump and chase. There's just too much puck ice possession. We need puck possession, and we got the guys that could do it. We got great puck possession players. Yeah, and we, we'd see our defensemen get, go out there in the corner to make a play, and they realize... Is that other four steps getting into the corner as a, as opposed to NHL sized dice, and so getting back in position is just those other four steps, and it's that much uh, more difficult to be there to be where you want to be. Yeah, and this this Canuck, er, this, Canuck okay. this Canadian team, 
wasn't going to win a medal without Ed Jovanovsky or Scott Niedermeyer. They needed one of those two guys. Yeah, to really... those guys take the puck from behind the goalie, and they take it all the way down to the other end of the zone, dodge some guys if they have to, and then they get it to a, an open forward in the zone with possession. That's what those two guys did in Salt Lake City that turned the tide and got got canned on track. It, it's it's absolutely the truth. It's those uh, understanding that, that long pass, and the other teams were finding that and making a great job of it. And when they were in the corners, the Finnish players, unbelievable. The, the, the coming out of the corners with the puck, the Swedes with the face-offs. You know, a lot of these other teams have these skills that we as Canadians always just say, we take the pucks away from the corner, we win the face-offs, we're clutch. And you're starting to see other teams really exhibit those qualities in spades. Yeah, when, when you looked at the Finnish roster before, you knew they were going to be a great special teams team. And that's how it turned out. They had Fantastic great penalty killers. Teams. Their forwards, I mean, they have four or five Selkie candidates on their forwards. Then they had a few good good shooting defensemen. And and then the snipers. Holy cow, was Timo Solani wow. reborn in this tournament? Yeah. I, he hasn't played hockey that good for ten years. And Saku Koivu, I'm not sure if anyone was better than him throughout the entire tournament. There were some, some great individual efforts by some of the Russians and stuff, but... Every time I watched a game involving Finland, I noticed Koivu every time he was out there. Something, he was always involved in the play, playing on the seat of his pants and always coming away from the puck. The guy spent more time in the corners than anyone else in the entire tournament. Yeah, four years ago, Dave, in Salt Lake City, Saku was recovering from from his cancer and he wasn't able to play with yep. his team. And he had been the Finns' captain up till then. And we saw him once at the game against Canada. We saw him right. up in the, in the box watching his mates and... You knew, you knew how much he wanted to be out there. Yeah, it's amazing he, he ever was able to return to high-level hockey and to see him out there, the emotional leadership, the consistent effort and setting the example is really amazing. And they didn't have Tomo Rutu, who is another you know, good all-around player that would have provided a little bit more offensive job. Yeah, he, he's good, but as far as that finished team went, he's a bubble player. Yeah. And uh, Yarko? Devastating hit on Yarmor Yager, always involved. Yeah. Drew at least as he many ran as a few goalies. <laughs> John Davidson was was talking some smack about him, for sure in the broadcast. He's one guy that none of the other NHL players like because he he doesn't show any respect. And oh, he's got some great trade value right now, man. Roberto Lavongo. Yeah, <laughs> it's a shame that Sammy oh, Salo sorry. Sorry, Sammy Salo went out for the team Finland. wasn't able to participate in the gold medal game. And he's not going to be with the Canucks for the first little while either. Yeah, him and uh, and Matthias Oland are both out. Matthias came home before the gold medal game, but Sammy went out there to receive his medal, and uh, and it's, yeah, it is unfortunate it got hurt, and it's still sort of unclear exactly the timeline. But the Canucks have called up some players. Yeah, Matthias will get a gold medal. He was on the team and he was at the games. Unlike Marcus, who withdrew his name from consideration. Marcus won't get a medal. I'm so a little confused because the, you know, what I heard is the Swedish coach told Marcus if he's not 100%, he doesn't want anyone that's not 100%. Then Forsberg came and played it clearly less than 100%. At some games, he just sat on the bench and didn't play the whole game. He was in uniform and didn't leave the bench the whole game. So it seems a little bit weird. Yeah. But as ultimately, a, it was Marcus's choice. Yeah. And I think it, and I think it's fine. And I think. And if the and if the Canucks win the Stanley Cup this year, then he's going to have no regrets. Right. And I'm fine with that. And the Sedins, more than uh, worthy representatives of the Canucks. They were out there 
doing a lot of penalty killing, playing in a lot of big situations, and really looking great. So yeah. I hope they bring and they that scored. Motion. Yep. They were on a on a line with Michael Samuelson the the first few games, and they were a good combination. Samuelson's actually quite a physical player, more physical than I knew. And then once Forsberg came back, the lines were shuffled. And it was pretty interesting line combinations. At that point, Jorgen Janssen, yep. who also has a brother on the team, moved on with the Sedin brothers. Then their second line, or fourth line, third line, however you designate their lines, was the all-red wing line. They had Zetterberg with Holmstrom and Sanderson. really good. Zetterberg was very good. Then they had the, the line of the year from the Swedish League last year, Axelsson, Paulsen, and Alfredsson. And that became their checking line. That's the line that, that shut down the checks, that shut down Yager. And and then their top line of Sundin, Forsberg, and Modine. Who were just devastating. Devastating yeah. offensively. Yeah. They, they they pulled off some offensive moves that, that just were draw drop. And it's really second only to the Russians, who yeah. were just insane some of the times. Yeah, Sundin's leadership was equal to Saku, even. He was yeah. that good this tournament. Yeah, he, he's... He's the Mark Messier of Sweden, I call him now. Yeah, he played some inspired hockey in the medal round and really got his team going if they were ever down. He was the one out skating hard and throwing a hit, getting the puck back, yelling out instructions. Yeah, I think uh, I think it turned out to be a great final. And, I, you know, I, I just now watched, because I was away cross-country skiing and missed the quarter-final game, just figuring out, well, I'll be back for the semis and the finals. And, uh, you know... The game against Russia, it wasn't one for the ages by any stretch of the imagination. Canada just was missing that jam. Yeah, they played well enough to win, but they didn't dominate, and in hockey that's how it goes in a best of one. Yep. And Canadians... The Bokov was better. Berder looked like he was playing a bit hurt, maybe, but he still played excellent. Yeah, yeah. And there's several of the players that played excellent. But just not enough of them played outstanding. You need a lot of people to step up and just be outstanding. Yeah, there were there were level. several outstanding goaltenders in this tournament. Yeah, oh, the goaltenders were the story, and uh, really up and down, really up and down throughout all the teams. It was amazing seeing three goaltenders from the Colorado Avalanche system all uh, having great uh, Olympics. And uh, yeah, several teams used all three of their goalies too. Now, do you like the new format uh, rather than the pool B and the pool, uh, the, you know, the way they did at Salt Lake where they had the, 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 the kiddie pool and then the two teams move up? Yeah, do you like it I like to have all the teams be able to participate and enjoy the Olympic experience, but it really was unfair to the, to the NHL players from those other countries because they're the countries that need their NHL players. The, the countries that only have one or two guys or even up to ten guys and, and they can't have those players there because this NHL season's going on at the same time and by the time the NHLers can come they're already eliminated I don't really yeah, yeah that's it's a rough. tough situation yeah now there's a lot of talk afoot you know the the NHL's committed through 2010 through the new collective bargaining agreement to send players but there's a lot of talk afoot to uh, to no longer do that after 2010, mm -hmm. and I started thinking about what would be the the best way to assemble teams and and what would be the best scenario and how to keep it fair and what would be the eligibility. And I started to think about what it, what is it they do for Olympic soccer? Is it like all players under 21 or something? Yeah, like that? something like that. I think something like that might not be a bad idea, but then it becomes the World Juniors, you know, or something. Yeah, you know. 
Yeah. Yeah. I think the NHL just needs to take a back seat and just cut 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 the season down to seventy games every fourth year. Yeah. Take I, the loss of money and do it for the good of sport. Yeah. I think uh, I think I think that would be great. I think there's two. Have a, have the both pool tournaments with all their best players. Shut down the NHL for the whole Olympics. All right. That's what I think. I'm with you. Who cares what it costs? I want to see the Denmarks and the Norways in there. I want twelve. To, you know, I want more teams in the tournament. I want to see them all. Yeah. You know? I like I, the we, World Cup of Hockey too. Yep. The Olympics is something else. Indeed. Yeah, the World Cup of Hockey, we'll see how that continues to uh, happen. And it's a little bit of a different thing because it's a smaller ice and it's a little different nuances. Um, but the Stanley Cup playoffs is really still the king of all uh, hockey trophies. But before uh, we leave Turin, um, any other things about I guess for hockey, the biggest surprise team, you'd have to say the Swiss. Yeah, the Swiss and the Slovakians. The Slovakians swept Solid. their pool. Yeah. But yeah, they ran into their arch nemesis checks. Yeah. yeah, the quarterfinals. I mean, we saw it the last Olympics. There's always gonna there's gonna be two quarterfinal of death matches, and Canada's got stuck in it the last two Olympics, against Finland in two in two thousand two and against Russia this year. Yeah, and tough yeah, matchups. Can't, can't dodge it. Yeah, one one loss and you get no medal. We hardly- saw that Russia was in it in in 2002 also against the Czechs, Czechs. and a stellar performance from Hobby Bullen. Oh, they man. went home one nothing, and they were they were a gold medal favorite. Yeah, it was really an unbelievable performance, and the Czechs just kept on coming and coming. If you run up against a hot goalie, pack your bags mm-hmm. like the U.S. did. In in uh, you know, the, the, Mike Madonna had some uh, had some strong words to say about USA hockey. Mm-hmm. He's uh, pretty choked up about the way they run their program. Yeah, he's retracted on a few of his words. It's hard to know how much was just emotion and and how much is really problems. I think I think the Americans had a good team, and they and they were close in every one of their games, and their young goalies played really well. So we'll see what they'll uh, they'll do. They're, they're going to need some fine tuning. They're in a little bit of transition thing, but some of the young players, yeah. Gianta looks really good. They're they're missing the marquee sniper themselves. Yeah, hard to score a goal if you don't got it got it uh, with these kind of goalies. Yeah, to, in 2010, do you think the Canadians are going to win? Do you think they're going to beat the Russians? Ovechkin, Kol- Kovalchuk. Oh, oh man. Malkin. Well, I'll guarantee you one thing: we're going to see a really different look to the to the and flavor to the team. I hope so, anyway. And uh, the Russians are going to be phenomenal because they got the, so, when they got playing together, they were a sight to behold, man. It's re- they're really jaw dropping to watch the Russians when they're flying out there. Yeah, the next Olympics will likely have Sid the Kid and yep. Stahl going for us, Spetsa perhaps. Yep. And whichever other youngsters emerge in the next few years. I it's think really it, hard to speculate four years in the future because so much can happen. So much can happen indeed. So, uh, some of your, uh, any other favorite moments of uh, Turin? What got you up out of your couch just screaming and yelling? Oh, I enjoyed it all. It's, it's really hard to, to pick one thing. Favorite name? Do you have anyone's favorite name? Dorfmeister? <laughs> Duff Gibson? No. My, I think my favorite is Beat Forrester, the Swiss... Uh, Hockey player. Beat Forrester. 
Uh, predictions for where the Olympics are going to be after 2010? Oh, it's not not predictions. We were talking about it earlier. and oh. There's obviously countries and cities that have been vying for their Olympics for a while and it will eventually come around to them. Who were the who are the finalists with Vancouver? Pyongyang, South Korea, and Salzburg, Austria. Yeah, Salzburg, Austria. There's there's another European nation up there too, but we'll see what happens next time around. Yeah, it's probably going to be one of them. We'll see if they want to do another Asian Olympics so soon after Nagano. If not, then they'll probably go up a little bit farther north in Europe. Hmm. Has it been a Winter Olympics in Russia? There has not been a Winter Olympics in Russia. Some ski ski mountains in Saint Petersburg. Oh, I'm sure. Estonia. Yeah, I'm sure there's some mountains somewhere. Helsinki. <laughs> Russia is a huge place. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for chugling along with us through our Olympic Outsider series through 2006 Turin. Uh, if you're interested in checking more about our exploits at 2002 Salt Lake City, uh, we got some, all kinds of pictures up there. And uh, hey, we'll see you in 2010, but we'll talk to you before that. Just to recap, this has been episode 6 of the Olympic Outsider Podcast. Copyright Dave Thorvald Olson, that's me. You can use it for non commercial uses, though. Check out more info at www.hockeynw.com.